0: Hey, friends, welcome to the podcast on today's episode. Bill Hellion. he's the CEO and president of the Michigan Retailers Association, and we will get a check on what's happening in retail in the state of Michigan. And my guest, as I said, Bill from the MRA. Bill, how are you today, my friend? It is an absolute pleasure to meet you.
1: It's great to meet you too, Eric. I'm doing great. You know, we're happy that retail is at full capacity right now and churning along. And, you know, retail is certainly, it's having a good year so far in 2021. And, and we hope that that continues throughout the, the rest of the year.
0: Now, Bill, did you think it was going to be this good of a year? You know, you you hear the phrase, and I've said it a couple of times on this podcast, there was that consumer rage spending meant in a positive way, right? They had it all bottled up and they just had to get it out. Were you guys kind of anticipating a good year or playing it as, the, as it comes, so to speak?
1: You know, it's hard to say that you forecast, you know, great results. <laughs> I, I, I wish we all could take credit for that. But I, I think you're right with the CARES Act that happened last year. was basically a sugar high of spending for Michigan consumers. I mean, they got all this money from the federal government and they were itching to get back out and spend those dollars. And we were happy that they were doing it. What we didn't know though was how long that would continue. And and what we do to try to get a feel for for how um, our members are doing, we survey them On a monthly basis, we have a, it's in conjunction with the Federal Reserve in Chicago. And we ask them, you know, how are your sales this month as compared to last year? And then what are you projecting as a three month outlook? And, you know, retailers by their nature are very optimistic, but we have been seeing pretty consistently throughout 2021, you know, they're projecting positive sales to continue.
0: Right. And as you and I are meeting, we're right in the middle of uh, back to school shopping and all of that sort of stuff, which is obviously a a good sign for retailers. And I'm wondering, you know, as you're seeing that forecasting three months out, um, if you could put your your crystal ball on the table, so to speak, what do you think Q4 is going to look like for retailers in Michigan?
1: I mean, certainly they've had challenges this year that they've had to overcome, primarily labor shortages I mean, with the federal unemployment benefit, they've had trouble luring people back into the workplace when they can, you know, make six hundred and sixty-two dollars a week staying home, and they've also had some supply chain issues. Um, pretty much ninety-seven percent of retailers have had those. So, sure. I think it's likely at least the supply chain issues are going to take a while to shake out. Hopefully, the with the federal unemployment benefit um, supposed to go away in September that we will see more people come back into the to the workforce, and and that shouldn't be a challenge. So retailers have been busy, you know, procuring that inventory so they can have a successful holiday season. Um, We're still optimistic. We still think it's going to be a good year. Um, The National Retail Federation surveys its members as well and and has projected, you know, very strong sales for the rest of the year. So, um, you know, all things look good. But as you mentioned, when we. Uh, you know, first met here is there are some unknowns with the Delta variant and and what the future may look like as we emerge from the pandemic.
0: And one of the things that I, I really wanted to talk to you is in early June this year, you wrote a blog post that I absolutely adored because when I go or take my family to a new city, the very first thing that we do is walk around where we are to kind of get a sense of the energy where things are kind of that sort of thing and and you wrote this blog post about your internship in the early 2000s with the mra and at the time you were doing this point of purchase upgrade but it had to be done physically right you do it now digitally but it had to be do, done physically and so you had to drive from place to place to place to help them install this stuff. And can you talk a little bit, A, about what that job was like and kind of pivoting on a dime to go from this place instead and go to that place in a time that we don't have GPS or iPhones and kind of what it taught you about being able to feel and touch and, and be in these physical locations?
1: Yeah, um, well, Michigan Retailers has a pretty robust merchant processing program. I mean, we we process transactions um, for customers in all 50 states, and we'll do about $1.5 billion in annual volume this year. Wow. And, you know, that program was developing back in the 2000s, and we they were switching from one back-end processor to another. So we had to go physically touch each merchant processing customer and do an update on their credit card terminals so they could continue processing. And, you know, I was, a I think, a college sophomore. It was the summer after my sophomore year of college. And with my My dad working for the association, I had the opportunity to have an internship with with the company, and it really was a great experience because I got to travel around and, you know, all sorts of areas of the state. And basically, the interns were given a list and said, here are all our merchant processing customers, and you make the appointment, you figure out when to go see them, and work the schedule. And like you said, this was before... GPS. I mean, we didn't even use MapQuest because we didn't know where we would necessarily be coming from. I literally had like a paper map and I would just, you know, most retailers are located on main streets and we would, um, you know, just kind of figure out where to go. Or I'd call them up and say, can you guide me in? But what it did was it gave me a look behind the counter and it allowed me to connect with our members in a way that you can't really have that connection with until you see the challenges and the struggles that they go through on a daily basis to make that sale to their customer. And so not only did I get to visit with a lot of our members, but I got to see all over Michigan. I mean, it's really a great experience.
0: How do you think an experience like that has guided you through up until this point, right? Nearly two decades later, you have this experience to understand that being on the ground floor getting down at street level advises you on the actual temperature of what's going on you know how does that advise you to this day
1: while we have various programs for our membership our core mission is to advocate for the industry and for our members and and understanding their challenges and and knowing what their wants and needs are for them to thrive in today's economy especially in an environment where they're having to operate with COVID restrictions, um, whether that's capacity limitations or you know PPP procurement, um, enforcing mask uh, mandates. So understanding them is is really essential for us to be able to advocate for them. And and we try to ask them that on a regular basis. You know, what do you need? We have a an ask us first. Um, service and and before running off to just google or you know calling you know a state department call us and and we'll do it for you and engaging with our our members on that level helps us be better advocates for them in the long run
0: and and speaking of advocacy perhaps um, most michiganders aren't necessarily familiar with your role and what you do for the MRA. Can you maybe give me a 10,000 foot view of what a day to day is for you when you talk about that advocacy? Because obviously there are many tentacles that the MRA has to do in order to advocate for retailers. And I'm wondering, you know, on a random Wednesday, what, is, what does a day look like for you?
1: Yeah, and and my role is maybe a little bit different than some of our, uh, the other state retail associations because we have fairly active service offerings. I mean, we run a full insurance company and we provide workers' compensation for our members. I mentioned the merchant processing with lots of accounts all over the country. So managing um those companies within within our umbrella is is part of what I do. But also, you know, advocating for them not just before the legislature or not asking for Governor Whitmer to make you know certain accommodations for retailers, but various state departments, whether that's you know obtaining a liquor license or or they have a weights and measures issue and, and you're running through the Department of Ag. So, I mean, on a daily basis, there's a lot that affects retail. I mean, it's a pretty diverse um, uh, category of business. So, you know, a, a daily Wednesday could really be anything. And, and we certainly found that out uh, in 2020.
0: And we, let's go back to 2020 for a second, because I'd love to get your sense. Because I've asked everybody on this podcast the exact same question, and, and that is that last 12 months. What was what was it like for you in particular?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fear at the beginning on of the unknown. We didn't know will our membership, um, you know, stay intact? Will will they will they be able to survive? How long will they be closed? I mean, if you were a non-essential retailer. You were closed for 60 days in 2020. Now, essential retailers um, did very well. Sure. Because they got to stay open and people weren't out at restaurants and, and shopping around. So they were going to the grocery store. But we did find that there were a lot of winners and losers during the pandemic. I mean, grocery, hardware, furniture, because people are buying stuff for home offices all did great. And that started to balance out a little bit. But, um, you know... Like I said, with our merchant processing portfolio, we had it was 47% of what uh, of a drop off from 2019. And that's a lot of revenue for our organization. And not only is it revenue for our organization, but you can see that our customers are not processing the volume that they did. I mean, just completely overnight, like flipping off the switch sales, just gone. And would those come back? Now we have found that many did. But I mean, there were several uh, retailers and and other businesses that unfortunately didn't survive.
0: So let's uh, talk about something a little bit more positive. And and that is, can you maybe give me a, um, a, a look at some retail trends going into the end of the year, maybe into early 2022? What's happening in the space? What are the things that are hot that consumers might want to know about before they start shopping for whatever that might be new clothes, shoes, a car, whatever?
1: Yeah, I think what the pandemic did was um, it helped retailers uh, really develop kind of an omni-channel uh, service offering for their customers. And a lot of small retailers, maybe all they had was a Facebook page. Maybe they didn't have e-commerce sales available. Um, but you know whether or not they needed like a gentle push to head in that direction, I mean, the pandemic was a firm shove. So a lot of them <laughs> took that time. Yeah, I
0: mean For a lot sure. of them
1: took that time being closed to build out a new website and be able to do curbside or um, you know various forms of fulfillment. And and what retailers are really focused on now, it's um, guiding that customer from shopping, browsing, different. Um, uh, you know, customer reviews and different products all the way through the purchase and then the fulfillment of the order, whether that is an in-store, um, pickup, or it could be, you know, shipped to their home. So, I mean, that is certainly a trend as we, as we move forward. I think retailers that do well will have developed that mechanism, um, to survive and, um, you know, certainly having a connection with their customer base is helpful. If you sell a unique item or you've developed a following via Facebook or social events where you bring, you know, a loyal customer base in that will help, you know, you continue to thrive as we emerge.
0: Now Bill, the Michigan Retailers Association collects a ton of data. You you've alluded to it a number of times, but I'm wondering if you could take a single piece of data and tell us, you know, people in Michigan why it's so important to shop on those main streets, like one piece of data that will go, this is why you do this.
1: Yes. So we did a study with public sector consultants and we asked the question if Michigan consumers directed just one in 10 of their online purchases to an in-store brick and mortar sale, if they diverted that purchase, what would the result be? And the the results are astounding, quite frankly. I mean, it would uh, increase jobs in Michigan by 14,000 jobs. It would boost labor income by 533 million. And it would generate almost 2 billion of increased economic output in the state of Michigan by just diverting one in 10. So uh, we realize that e-commerce is not going away. but e-commerce is 16.8% of the total retail spend. So you still have 83% that's being spent at a brick and mortar store. So we encourage Michigan consumers to just think before you make that purchase. Is this something you could buy from a local retailer downtown to support your community? Because I mean, that that's the retailer that's supporting the Pancake Breakfast or, or their local sports team, um, not necessarily an out-of-state retailer that's not invested in Michigan.
0: Bill, thank you for the time, my friend. Have a wonderful week.
1: Thanks so much, Eric. Really appreciate it.